raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. We have drama in the Planet Kia Studios right now. Wes decided to go to the WFNZ-wide group chat to figure out the culprit. Wes was complaining about the chair. Your chair's leaning left is what you say? It's yeah, broken? Yeah, man. It was fine yesterday, and now today I sit in it, and it's leaning to the left. It's so like, it was fine on. Friday, I guess, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, so something, mm-hmm. that, but that's a key thing because <laughs> we weren't here yesterday. A key part of the case. That's right. We were at the Spectrum Center, and so in the group chat that is WFNZ-wide, Wes, who doesn't really contribute to the group chat all that much. To be fair, neither do I. But Wes, when he texts, he means business. And the the text (laughs) was, somebody broke the chair in the studio, and now it leans to the left. He had three grunting, angry emojis all in a row. And so a couple people wrote back, including Flounder, who said, Shroppy. Fiddy, of course, responded with his hair, threw it off for some reason. But Flounder <laughs> thinks it's shroppy. We know that a couple of different people were sitting in there. I know Bone sits there usually. Yeah. But it's not like it's been a problem with Bone sitting there every single day. Correct. And so now who do you think it was? And if it is shroppy, Wes, that's a very aggressive text message. You you seek people out in this group chat. Are you going to seek shroppy out? Does he need to be scared of you? No, I'm not going to. Uh, seek anybody out because I know uh, Jeff Rickett will get wind of this and then figure out the appropriate action. Oh, so you're putting pressure on the boss it. man. Yeah, you're I know he'll figure it out. He'll okay. get it fixed. He oh. don't want us sitting in here in jacked up chairs. <laughs> what does what is, uh, uh. he need to do? <laughs> Either get it fixed or replace it. I know we'll figure okay. out something. Okay. All right. That wasn't as aggressive as I thought it would be after the text. No. The text came in with grunting emojis, though. Like, you wanted to find out yeah, who it was. Yeah, it's aggravating, man. I sit down in the chair, and it's like, come on, man. How do you break an office chair? I've I been mean, sitting in office chairs for a long time and never broke one. It's funny. One of the first times I walked into the studio, though, I mean, it was, I don't know, probably a handful of times I'd mm-hmm. been hosting in the revolving door of host that was a few months back. Yeah. And one of those times, I, I think, wasn't it Mac who broke the chair? And, yeah. he, and that chair looked like it exploded. <laughs> I walked in. There were so many different pieces. Do we have the audio of Mac breaking the chair? Is that something we could find quickly, Fiddy, since you're so dynamic? You're giving me the thumbs up. Okay, thank you. All right, well, let's try to find that audio. Let's also play a certain, uh, a certain piece of audio as well to lead us into Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft. Mel Kuyper Jr.'s first mock draft of the season. Hot, 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 hot. With the first, second, third pick in the NFL draft, here comes the commissioner. All right, it's a melee, it's a sneak attack, mock draft 17.45 edition from Mel Kuyper as we lead up to the selection process. He's got to change at number one overall this time, though, and he is going with what Vegas has. Bryce Young, according to Mel Kuyper, will be the number one overall selection. Here's what he writes. Younger C.J. Stroud, Stroud or Young. I think the Panthers are honing in on one of these passers after they traded up to number one. He said in his post-free agency mock draft, he went with Stroud, who fits the physical mold of QBs in Frank Reich's system and who he's worked with in the past. But if Young is indeed the pick, he could be a superstar. He's Mel Kuyper's top-ranked signal caller just ahead of Will Levis. Mel Kuyper does like Will Levis. 
There is some risk because of his stature. However, at 5'10", 204 pounds, he'll be the third under six-foot QB drafted in round one behind Kyler Murray and Johnny Manziel. He does say that he's a much different player from both Kyler Murray and Johnny Manziel. So we can start there and then give your thoughts on Bryce Young being the first pick here. Do you think that we should include Kyler Murray and Johnny Manziel as either Kyler, who... We'll see what he can do in the future. Manziel clearly didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Is there anything to be learned from both of their styles of play and what we can attribute to Bryce Young? I don't think so because uh, Bryce Young definitely doesn't run like uh, Kyler Murray. And I think he's light years more mature, light years the student, light years the processor of both of those two. I think that... Kyler Murray, you know, we've heard the, the the rap against him when he got the new contract that he doesn't study enough. They put in the clause and they took it back out. Johnny Manziel, we know that he was the definition of immaturity, even though I did think that he was going to come in and wreck the league, as he <laughs> right. uh, said once before. But I think that, like I said, as far as just maturity and just playing graduate level quarterback, ready for the NFL right now, plug and play guy, he's light years ahead of both of them. So I don't think there's any comparison. Yeah, so, I mean, Mel Kuyper continues to write about how Bryce Young relies more so on his pinpoint accuracy, the anticipation, and that buzzword where you know you're talking about Bryce Young processing. And what else are you supposed to rely on as a quarterback? <laughs> Correct. No, but he's, he's saying he's saying he's different than Kyler in that okay, aspect, yeah. that he's different okay. than Johnny Manziel, yeah, yeah. where that's what Bryce relies on. Maybe the other two more so okay. rely on their athleticism. Casey Steve wrote in, Wes is the LaMelo ball of WFNZ, asking for management to improve things. Just put a little pressure out there. <laughs> Make sure you get stuff. That was a for, good one. Or he's going to leave for LA. He's going to leave for New York. He's going to leave for a bigger market. That's a good one. Everybody is blaming Mac, by the way. Because of the time, if you've done it once, if you've broken a chair, right? In the studio, Guilty by associate. Yeah. So Mac, I'm just telling you, you owe Wes a new chair because I'm sure it was your fault. So the 39th overall selection, Mel Kiper did a two-round NFL mock draft. Mm-hmm. He's got Carolina taking a linebacker, mm-hmm. Drew Sanders, out of Arkansas. Here's what he writes: Sanders is coming off a phenomenal season after transferring from Alabama. He had over 100 tackles, nine and a half sacks, 16 total tackles for loss two forced fumbles and an interception at 6'4". He's a tall linebacker who can make an impact as a rookie. He could be playing inside or outside for Carolina, and he'll create chaos as a blitzer. Just let him chase the ball, and he'll make plays. What do you think about the write-up and the tall linebacker and Drew Sanders possibly being the selection at 39? When you start to dig into this guy a little bit, man, he is known as a thumper uh, as well. This is a guy that can hit, but when you look at his athleticism off the charts, 6'4", 235 pounds, 45940, 37-inch vertical, 910 broad jump, 438, 20-yard shuttle. I mean, can I interest you in that? He's described by the draft network as a viable three-down linebacker. Uh, the fluidity for his size is surprising, allows him to play a dynamic brand of football. That's a good buzzword there that will allow him to cover like depth fitting. in the middle of the field and defend laterally against horizontal speed. He was a five-star recruit. Uh, you know, that came to Alabama as an edge defender. And then when you look at his scheme fit, odd front, gap control defense. What are the Panthers going to run? Odd front, gap control defense. So I think when you look at everything about this guy's pedigree athletically, what he would bring to the table, I think that, you know, he could have the chance to be uh, one of the next great linebackers for the Carolina Panthers. I know that's saying a lot, but when you look at everything now, is there. All right, breaking news. Oh! What do you have for us, Fitty? Something interesting? Well, I, I figured I'd hit the sounder because this, Uh-oh. you know, this really does pertain to what we're talking about. 
Buccaneers Pro Bowl linebacker Devin White. He has just requested a trade. And the Bucs do not want to trade him, but he wants to be traded out of Tampa Bay. He is coming up on a fifth-year option. Panthers have been mocked. We've talked about maybe needing to add another linebacker to this core, going to that 3-4 defense. It's rare you see an in-division trade, but could you see Carolina maybe being in play for Devin White and his services? How does an athletic linebacker fit with the scheme, the odd man front, despite it being multiple? But if you are going to go to a base with the odd man front under a Jero Averro, does Devin White fit any of that bill to you, or can you make it work by going out? And again, like remember, you're going to have to give up something in order to get this guy. Man, I mean, you look at this season that he had last year, Walking, you talked a lot about it, him having a 43.7 defensive grade. PFF does not, not like him, and yeah, they haven't, I think, for a while, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's not ideally what you want. And then when you look at uh, the size on Mr. Devin White, you're talking about 6 feet, 237, not ideal for a 3-4 uh, inside linebacker, but I think nonetheless this guy can play. The thing will be, can he, uh, if, I can, if I remember correctly, I think LSU – I think they run an odd front. I'm oh, don't not 100% ask me. I don't sure. Not but at that time. I fancy I mean, I him, know. though, a 4-3 linebacker because uh, I do believe that's what LSU ran, and the Buccaneers drafted him, and that's what they ran. And that's kind of a tough transition because you have to deal with so much more traffic. So I don't I don't think that he would be a, a, a scheme fit uh, for the Panthers. And then those grades that you talk about also – uh, with PFF, when you look uh, at the coverage grade of Devin White, a, a 49.1. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's what the Panthers well, want. Well, and I think that's the thing because he's so athletic. People just look at him and assume, especially with him being, what was he, a top five pick? I know yeah. he's a first round or top ten, something like that. You just kind of assume he's good in coverage. But the grades have been low every single year. The only grade that is really a positive consistently for him is his pass rush. But just overall grades have been very poor. They are that's surprising, especially in that Super Bowl run. He seemed to be such an integral part of that crew. He had a good postseason His grades have run, been yeah. pathetic. All right, one more linebacker question for you, Wes, being the football guy that you are. Big Cat Dan wrote in, if they're taking a linebacker at 39 and Trenton Simpson, Trenton Simpson is there, mm. he should be the dude. Now, how would you compare Drew Sanders and Trenton Simpson, of course, watching Clemson in the ACC? Well, obviously, Drew Sanders, like I said, you look at him, he's going to be a middle linebacker in that out front. Trenton Simpson is a guy that's a Swiss Army knife. He compares a lot to uh, Isaiah Simmons that they had come out a few years ago. Not quite the size of Simmons. Uh, you know, Trenton goes 6'2", 235, but he runs that 4'4", man. He's explosive, but he's a guy you can move all over the place. So I do think he fits there, and I do think if you have the choice between the two, man, I just think the more dynamic you are, the more able you are to be multiple in what you do. I think Trenton Simpson fits that role the best. You can move him around a little bit of everywhere, and if you have a guy like him and Jeremy Chin running around out there with the kind of speed and, and playmaking ability that they have, when you talk about Chin – potentially this year moving around all over the place and being close to the line of scrimmage, I think you could do a lot with that defense to kind of confuse guys and, and make big plays. All right, so maybe this actually leads into the next segment, but this is where I want to get to one of your ideas about the NFL draft, Wes, because the wide receiver position in this mock draft is very interesting. At 34, that's where the last wide receiver is taken before Carolina selects at 39. Mel Kuyper has Quentin Johnson going number 34, widely wow. regarded as the best wide receiver in this NFL class. And maybe we're talking about Zay Flowers passing him, Jordan Addison, whoever. He does have Addison going above him. But Quentin Johnson at 34, interesting there. Not another wide receiver taken. You go past 39, not another wide receiver taken until 
you get to 55. Jalen Hyatt is the next wide receiver taken. Jalen Hyatt goes at 55 to Detroit he has here. And then you include even a Josh Downs at 59 for Buffalo. So you're talking about him falling 20 spots where Carolina could have selected him at 39. What do you make of Hyatt and Downs going at 55-59 as well as Quentin Johnson going at 34, Wes? I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm not buying into that. They're talking about that this receiving class is starting to be looked down upon and that they're, you know, I think if the Panthers have the option of some of the guys that could be available at 39, I think you have to take it. I mean, Good Lord, if you have Jordan Addison sitting there, Zay Flowers sitting there, uh, those playmakers, I just wonder why all of a sudden these guys are being, uh, you know, looked down upon because you see them saying that Jackson Smith and Jigba is the only first-round caliber wide receiver when we've seen his stock go up and down in mock drafts. That's the thing about mock drafts, man. You watch them, they're going to get probably two or three of these right. And so when you look at this, you know, as I said, the Panthers will be hard-pressed to give up some of the talents there wide receiver, especially with that being a need. I even said during the pre-show meeting, I wouldn't hate if the Panthers drafted a receiver at 39 and then traded back up into the second round to grab another receiver if they're sitting there because I think that some of these guys are uh, really talented. So I think that uh, if, if it does play out that way, the Panthers have a chance to really get a steal at the receiver position. Just to give you a little bit more of an idea of what he has, he has JSN, Jackson Smith, Najigba going at number 12. And then he has Zay Flowers going 17. So really okay, high right, Zay. So, Flowers, so he's got Flowers. He's got Flowers at okay. 17 and Addison going up at 21 to the Chargers. Okay. So, so he's got the guys that you yeah. mentioned, but – but that's kind of my point. But I was going off Jim Nagy's thing with what he said as well. Well, wh- why don't you talk about it? Jim well, Nagy. Jim Nagy came out and he said that uh, a lot of scouts, and they just flashed on the herd as well, that scouts are kind of looking at this draft class. They only see uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba as the only guy that's uh, got a first-round grade on him. And so I'm just going by the premise of if that is the case, I think the Panthers have a chance to really grab somebody of significance at that 39 spot. So, okay, let me real quick, rapid fire name game. Drew Sanders or Josh Downs, who are you taking? You like Drew Sanders. You like that pick. Downs, I'm always going offense over defense. What about Jalen Hyatt? Same thing? Yeah. Jalen Hyatt over both of them. What about you, Fiddy? Do you like both the wide receivers over a middle linebacker like Sanders? No, I, I, I would take Sanders over Hyatt. Hyatt's got a limited route tree. It just scares me. Okay, but Josh Downs, you would make that pick at 39. Yes. I would, too. Well, I didn't know. Just wanted to make sure. I mean, I would draft Downs number one Yeah, I know if, you if, would. if we had a quarterback. Yeah, there's not <laughs> another North Carolina player you could draft ahead of him. So, yeah, I imagine that would be true. Josh Downs going number one in Fiddy's mock draft melee. Goodness, what a sneak attack that would be. Fiddy came in with his mock draft 1.0. It would be crazy all across the board. All right, let's go back to the Charlotte Hornets. Mitch Kupchak. He talked with media really before we hopped on the airwaves. I think we have some of that sound. We will play those sound bites for you coming up next on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Remember. 
Justin Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate you joining us here for a couple more segments. And as we promised you at the beginning of the show, we do have some Mitch Kupchak audio to get to after he spoke to media earlier today. But not before a soundbite that people have been requesting on the text line, the Garage Door Guru text line, that is. We were trying to figure out who possibly broke one Wes Bryant's chair. Wes got mad. He went in the WFNZ group chat and he gave you three grunt emojis showing his anger, saying somebody broke the chair. We're trying to figure out who it is. Shroppy is the leader in the clubhouse, at (laughs) least for us. But everybody else is throwing this on Mac. Well, because Mac has done this before. We should probably be the favorite to get number one, I think. I mean, this- oh my God! What happened? Whoa! Uh, you are listening. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus! Brains are falling. Oh, All right, you are. If you're just tuning in now, okay. Oh, All right. Yeah, I can't really. I can't. Okay, I'm gonna. I think uh, I'm gonna have to get up and help him here. Those guys are so lost on what to do. Bone doesn't know whether to give a play-by-play, tell everybody to just stick around because we got to get things situated. Flounder just keeps laughing in the background. He doesn't know what to do. Well, the best part was that he audibly cut his microphone on so his laugh would go out over the air. <laughs> just, just just, inserting himself into a situation he didn't have to be in. No, it's great. I love it. I love every bit. Is there any way we can play just the beginning of that and then cut it off at the end? I would like to just hear Mac falling out out of the chair we don't have to listen to the rest of it if we can we should probably be the favorite to get number one i think i mean what happened it's so much it's so much to hear i mean it is just a crash so that at least that didn't happen to your chair like you still have one because that thing exploded. Yeah, man, that did not sound good. It sounded like actually somebody recorded a wrestling scene, and he was right. in the middle of talking, and somebody just came in and beat the hell out of him. And it sounded like our truth was mad at Fitty for right. his wrestling takes. Yeah, and it just went at him. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, I'm here for that. We, we, we got the soundbite from from Mac there. We also got some sound bites from one Mitch Kupchak. Do we want to bring back? Uh, what's the buzz, or do we just want to go on this with no bed? What are we thinking? Do we want what's the buzz? Do we just want to go with the sound bites no bed. here? Who needs sleep? Okay, that's fine. We will not do the bed because you did say the bed did give you NyQuil vibes earlier on <laughs> in the show today. Let's go first to Mitch Kupchak talking about takeaways from the season, Fiddy, if you don't mind finding that one. And here's Mitch Kupchak discussing just how hard it was to try to really evaluate what the season meant when there were so many injuries present. Yeah, there was a rough year for various reasons. From the very beginning, we had to deal with adversity issues. When it did improve, it didn't last long. Mello broke his ankle, right? So it's hard to look at the season and have takeaways. We went into the season. I think our goal was to make the playoffs. I think last year with 43 wins, I thought it was realistic that you would assume you're going to get better. So they fired James Borrego because they got blown out in the play-in game two years in a row. I I can't imagine... I could not imagine, excuse me, that it was going to happen again. But against the Pacers and the Hawks, they get blown out one year against the Pacers. They got beat by a worse margin the next year. And this was the same team that had that box score up in their locker room. And then they get beat by something worse the following season. Look, I I understood why they did it. I'm not trying to say it was all James Borrego's fault by by any stretch. But I understand why they did it. 
And so they clearly went into the season with playoffs being the goal. Didn't come close to reaching it after you don't have Miles Bridges, after LaMelo Ball plays 36 games, after you suffer all of those injuries. Everything went poorly. So it is tough to evaluate this year. What, what I hope doesn't happen, though, is it exactly what Steve Clifford said, is that you cannot put all of the stock into what you did the last 20 games. Because you can get really fooled, babies and fooled, if you will. You can get fooled if you talk about what happened the last 20 games and then make decisions based off what you did the last 20. You're talking about fresh legs. You're talking about Teo Maladon, Dennis Smith Jr. being your lead guys. You're not going to get victories over Dallas all the time, even if they were struggling. Same thing with OKC. You do need guys coming back. And so I'm hoping they don't put a lot of stock into it. We've heard Mitch Kupchak be reasonable about that sort of thing before. What did you make of Mitch Kupchak's soundbite? I mean, I think that another thing you talk about when you talk about making decisions off the last 20 games is motivations. I mean, the motivations change when it's the right. last contract 20 years, games point. of the season, contract years, guys trying to make an impression coming into the offseason, guys trying to maybe secure their spot uh, as a depth piece for the next season. So I think the intentions also uh, fall along with that as well, man. So I think he just basically kind of said what a lot of us has been saying, it's hard to really get a grasp on the true takeaways and lessons to be learned from this season because this was a season that just never got off the ground. The first domino to fall, it was Miles Bridges as far as all of the bad things that happened this offseason. And so here is Mitch Kupchak talking about, I believe, whether they would bring Miles Bridges back, just kind of a status check on his re-entering the NBA as he hasn't played in a year. Well, when you lose your leading scorer and leading rebounder, I think it goes without saying that this is going to be a big impact, right? As far as additional information, I think the last time I, I was asked the question, I had just landed in in Europe. I was in my room in Paris, I believe, looking at the runway. Right. And I think at that point, you know, I indicated that the NBA is conducting an investigation. And that's the status of the situation right now. There's really not an update. Conducting an investigation, it's been the answer for a while. They're going to let the legal process play out. It's already played out. So now it really is up to the association to try to figure out what they're going to do as far as reinstating Miles Bridges, what the Hornets are going to do, what other NBA franchises are going to do. Mitch just continues to point out the fact that because he didn't play, it really affected the season. And okay, we got you. Like, for sure. 100%. Tell us something new. I don't know what else is accomplished here because we all know that Miles Bridges affected the season like that. And if it's really just, look, NBA is conducting its investigation. We'll let you know as soon as we know something cool, I guess. I just, with the Miles Bridges thing, Wes, the, the bigger problem that I have is that they allowed it to affect them not doing anything this offseason. I understand it's hard. I get it's really hard. It's not your fault that that happened, okay? His arrest is not the orga uh, organization's fault. But you didn't do anything else besides just bring back Cody Martin. And so it's that kind of lack of lack of activity that makes me question, you know, how prepared you were for this, which you weren't. But also, can you adapt a little bit? That's part of the job, adapting when things don't go the way you think they're going to go. So what is your adaptability? And I don't know if they showed all that much this past offseason. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I think that, you know, it was kind of a holding pattern because you were going to give Miles Bridges a ton of money. It's not like he was just going to be a guy that you were going to give $5 million to or something like that. This was a guy that was standing to make about $30 million, but at least change up the way 
that you're telling us that. Please tell us that we don't know what the NBA could do. They could do this. They could do that. They could do this. And that's got us in a holding pattern as far as figuring out where we're going to go with this thing. But, you know, just giving us the old broken record routine. But they know at the end of the day, there's nothing we could do about it but take what they say and try to decipher uh, yet again. So we mentioned how it was hard to get real takeaways. Miles Bridges, him being absent, clearly had an impact. So did LaMelo Ball's health. Mitch Kupchak was talking about LaMelo's health and just giving us a status check first, and then we can play some more LaMelo audio. He needs to get stronger, you know, so that his body can compete with some of the, the bigger and stronger players in, his, in this league, and that would allow him to, you know, get to the rim a little bit more. At some point, a big step is going to be the leadership role. That's not the kind of thing that you can come in at 19 or 20 or 21 and then just kind of say, I'm going to be a leader, right? It doesn't happen that way. It's going to happen gradually. Fiddy, let's go to the other LaMelo soundbite real quickly before we dive into that. We'll still go back to the leadership stuff. But here's the other thing you had to say about LaMelo's health. Melo still has a walking boot that's going to come off. My understanding is the bone is very close to being completely healed. So he should be in good shape going forward. We can get to the leadership aspect in a moment. I know you're interested about that. I think when we're talking about improving as a basketball player, something we talked about on Lockdown Hornets, I hope that his lack of health right now doesn't hinder his ability to improve out there on the court, right? Because here you are coming off of multiple ankle injuries. You suffered a million of them this season that did not allow you to get into a rhythm. So the fact that you need to work on getting stronger it's a lower body injury, so it's not like conditioning can be a part of this. Cody Zeller used to talk about this because the guy was injured, banged up all the time. He liked being injured at least with his wrist more than his knee or his ankle because you could at least undergo conditioning drills and you wouldn't be out of shape. But if you had a lower body injury that prohibited you from running and being involved in sprints, whatever, then it was a little harder to get back in shape. So LaMelo, unfortunately, has the lower body injury here. I just hope it doesn't hinder him from improving parts of his game defensively, getting more physical and attacking the basket. The good news is they do expect him back by the time they're really ramping up full basketball activity. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about if you want to take anything away from the timing of him getting injured, that's what you would take is the fact that, you know, with just starting the off season, just started yesterday, literally. So now he can go and finish healing up. And I think he'll have time to get himself uh, into shape as far as just playing basketball uh, and things of that nature. So what I, you know, I find it interesting, just the comments that he said about the whole leadership deal, because I do think that is the next piece yeah. uh, for him is to be able to, you know, get at guys. And, you know, we saw situations uh, over the weekend, which, you know, I don't think it's necessarily great, fantastic looks, but at least one of the knocks on the NBA is that people talk about how the guys don't care and they're not competing like they should, things of that nature. I think some of the skirmishes we saw on the sideline, I mean, I welcome that. I want to see the guys care. I want to see that they're getting into it. And I wish, I think one of the things I said in the group chat when this came out was that, you know, I don't want to see guys on the Hornet sideline punching each other, but I want to see some guys barking at each other and having that intensity and that, and that will to win. And I think that's something that's kind of been missing for this team. You've heard, you know, at least I heard, you know, when I was working, there that you know they like each other a lot and they're not going to get get on each other the way that some teams will or some some teammates will or however you want to say it and so that's something i'd like to see from them just a little more fire a little more anger when things aren't going well to be able to hold each other accountable and sometimes write some of those uh 
you know, things that are going on with them in game. How important is it that that aspect does come from LaMelo Ball? It's got to. It's got to. You're the point guard. You're the leader. Uh, you know, you're the superstar. You're the face of the franchise. You can't afford to sit back and be quiet and just lead by example and let things happen as they may. You have to demand excellence from yourself and demand excellence from your teammates. And I know that he demands it from himself. And I'm sure we saw in the article uh, that he does from his teammates as well. They, they talked about that. But the thing is, are you going to demand that when you get so fed up that you're angry at them and you're going to let that come across as well? And I think that's the next step to where, okay, yeah, we're friends, but I want to win as well. All right, so some of the decisions Mitch Kupchak is going to have to make, not only about the players, the personnel decisions, Michael Jordan, as long as he's the majority stake owner, also going to have a decision here. But one of those decisions that is going to have to be made is whether you retain head coach Steve Clifford. Here's Mitch Kupchak talking about their head coach from this past season. I think our players appreciate the fact that he treats everybody the same, that he is a straight shooter. And I think that was the theme yesterday by everybody on the team. I think he did a great job. He's a teacher by trade. And, um, you know, he and I spend a lot of time together. A lot of it, sometimes it's about, well, you know, you put the players where they're supposed to be on the court, right? So they got to know where they're supposed to be. And then, you know, it's like, well, you got to explain to them why they have to be in those spots. And as a teacher, I think that's something that he can do and that he's done this year. He doesn't just tell you what to do. He tells you why you've got to do it. I think this year was an incredibly tough situation for Steve Clifford, and I think he navigated it well. I think he did a good job this season. What say you about what Steve Clifford did? Yeah, I like what he said right there because, it, you know, as I've told you, I'm a big fan of the Knuckleheads podcast, and Darius Miles was talking about this very thing, and he was talking about it with young players and how uh, a lot of the young players that they don't understand why they need to do the things that they need to do because they were talking about it with Stan Van Gundy, and they were just saying that, and, and I think that's important, Is and that plays a lot into guys' basketball IQ. It's like, you want somebody that's going to explain to these guys why, even though a lot of these guys should understand a lot of this type of stuff, but there are a lot of them that don't, plain and simple. And so uh, I think that's key, and I think when you definitely have a young team like the Hornets, that's exactly the type of coach you need because some of these guys may not have been asked to do some of the things that they're doing. Some of their coaches before that might, may have just kicked the can down the road and said, oh, when they get to the NBA, they'll figure this out or figure that out. I just want them to get buckets, where Steve Clifford is like, no, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it, and that's how you build a smart basketball team. You know, I, I do think LaMelo is going to be somebody that comes back and and uh, becomes a better basketball player. I think Steve Clifford is is the guy that can get the most out of him. LaMelo does sound like Jell-O. I, I like Jell-O. You know, Jell-O's good. It's, you put whipped cream on it. It's a nice dessert at night. And, uh, you know, I, I could go for some Jell-O. Hey, hey Mike. Mike, can you give me some Jello? Don't forget to flex on them and tell them you're eating that from your hotel room in France. Oh, yeah, just looking at the plane out there on the runway, uh, looking at Wimby. Um, kind of sounds like Wendy. It needs to eat some Jello so the wind doesn't blow him over. <laughs> we'll uh, select him number one overall. Uh, that's that's what I think about the draft. TC asked me for another Mitch Kupchak impression, so that's what I yeah. decided to do. You do you think if they got number one, he would still try to be coy about it? Or do you think he'd just come out the night of the draft and be like, listen, we know what this is? Yeah, no, he would because he's a part of the, uh, the basketball mafia from New York. It's in his blood. The problem is, though, Mitch Kupchak is so direct at a fault. He's so honest. I don't think he'd be able to hold it. I think he would tell you, yeah, we're going to draft Wimby. 
And he's going to tell. And and then he might try to play coy. This is the fun game with him at the beginning and end of press conferences. You can hear him be coy about it at the beginning, and then all you need is just one more follow up question at the end, and he'll give in. He would be he'd be the worst person as far as trying to hold a secret during interrogation. All you have to do is ask him two questions, and then he gives it up. All right. So Joey from Huntersville said that your cup check sounds like John Fox. So now you got to give us a John Fox. Oh, I don't know if I can give you a John Fox. That's a lot less, even with Mitch Cupcheck. Am I right to say there's less voice behind John Fox? It, it's more strained just because he yeah. – imagine he yells more. A bunch of good play. <laughs> you just have – you have nothing there. That's like reaching back and having nothing to go with. I don't know if I can give you a John Fox. Let me listen to some audio. <laughs> Maybe I can try to give you that on the other side of the break right after Fitty giving you the last Fitty flash. What you got for us, Fitty? All right, guys. We'll turn our attention to Major League Baseball, the Braves – Back in action tonight, they host the Cincinnati Reds. They won last night 5-4 to four in 10 innings on a walk-off. Also, the Tampa Bay Rays, they won last night against Boston. They're now 10-0. First time all year they did not score over four runs in a game. They've got the best uh, run differential to start a season since the 1939 Yankees. <clears throat> My Mets won last night against San Diego 5 nothing, And you can catch... The Charlotte Knights, they're back in action. They are home from their first road trip of the year. They host Jacksonville tonight at 635 up there at Truist. Can we talk about one specific baseball stat real quickly? Because if you look at run differential, the second best run differential in Major League Baseball right now belongs to the Los Angeles Dodgers at plus 24. It's a great number, plus 22 Milwaukee. Very, very good. The Rays are plus 58. Yeah. Through 10 games, the Rays are 10-0, and 0, and they have a plus 58 run differential. Through wow. 10 games, they have already doubled second place on that list. It is absolutely insane what the Rays are doing right now. And I, that's the team I want to relocate to Charlotte. You just relo- you relocate an AL team. They've got an established fan base, if you will. They've got they've gone to two World Series, and I was a former I was a Rays fan back in my younger days, so mm-hmm. I could be a dual Mets and Rays fan. All right, did you have any baseball thoughts? <laughs> because you now now before I go to break, and then I realize you didn't give your take on baseball or yeah, hockey. Thank you. I, I want to make that. sure that you get the floor, yeah. so then you don't interrupt. I mean, me it's very early, man. I like to see the Rays doing their thing. This is a franchise that seems like whenever they win, and then they decide to blow it up, and they can't decide what they want to do so i mean we'll see it's early okay. and at 10 and 0 and we'll, we'll see that's all you can say at this point <laughs> i mean hell 152 more games left yeah right there's the wasiah the, bl- <laughs> the the wasiah letting you know bats, black bat the, the black i like that i like, like black bat mm-hmm, i okay. do 100 percent. all right that makes it sound weird let's go to the next segment no tease <laughs> nothing at all let's go to the next segment um i'm shook weston <laughs> walker sports radio 92.7 wfnz Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Final 
segment of Wes and Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Reminding you about Charlotte FC, Major League Soccer. It's now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match. So stop by, get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and the postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line. Only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Let's go to the text line. Some people did not know whether I was imitating Dick Vitale, whether I was imitating John Fox, or Mitch Kupchak. It's Vitale, by the way. Vitale. Thank you. I did say Vitale. Yes, I was reading Vitale, Dick Vitale. I was telling on myself with that. Well, um, maybe. And so that's better because he gives you some voice every now and then, but he will lose it. I mean, that's that's part of the thing. I Mitch Kupchak doesn't have a whole lot of voice there. John Fox. I mean, I I feel like I I can't even. That's just zero voice behind anything. That's a good play. The funniest <laughs> part about Kupchak is how he just walks around the arena during the games, like he just randomly is out getting him something to eat. It's a big and deal. He'll just you know, walk around. Does he not look like out. a aged bozo the clown? Damn. <laughs> Wes is, I don't know. No, I, I've never thought that before. Really trying to get us jumped when we go out places, man. Bozo the Clown. Does he look like Bozo? He just uh, looks like a giant. He, he always just looks like disheveled. Like he looks like he's exhausted. His hair's never, you know, it never looks like it's combed. I don't have these takeaways from him. I do. Hey, you act like he just had a rough night out every single time you see him or that he doesn't get any sleep. We're going to start sending Fitty out to events and stuff with a big sign on his chest that says, I'm Fitty from the Weston Walker Show. Please take out all frustrations on me because I'm the one that said it. What's the over under on how many times he'd be tackled out in nature every week? (laughs) Just different people seeing, oh, you're Fitty? Boom. Yeah. I think. Uh, oh, you don't like NHL? Boom. That that's a good question. Yeah. What are Fitty's takes that would be most likely uh, to get him tackled? What oh, definitely this? wrestling and NHL. Those are the two that I'd love to see him cash in on the most. I'd love to see him suit up and go out for a practice, an intense practice after a team has had a bad loss and they're angry. And then the same thing with wrestling. Consistently, the one about yeah. wrestling. Well, then you know our truth. I'd came like to in. see him just run the ropes. Because they said that puts welts on your back. Like, when you go oh, and yeah. do the rope. Yeah, they true. said that's no joke. I never thought about that. Yeah. But 100%, I bet that does hurt. And your condition and running the ropes as well. They yeah. said it tears your back up. I'd like to see him do that alone. Then he would be so tired immediately. <laughs> this, this coming from How many trips would you give him if he bounced off all four ropes? How many are you giving him? Well, I mean, the last physical activity we all y'all went to go do, when I went to go dunk, I was a little out of breath. And Fiddy said that he was still out of breath when he got back to the studio. I think three going into the fourth bounce is over. Yeah. I mean, plus it it does take some energy. That first run, I think he'll feel good. The second second bounce off the ropes, I think you're going to see that face start to cringe up a little bit. The third one, it's going to be like, oh, God, I'm about to die. And then by the time he gets to the fourth one, he's just going to be full red, gasping for air. <laughs> Brian said over <laughs> under would be about four and a half tackles a day. 
that would be the one. Yeah. So you you would be there'd be a lot of angry people out there if they saw that you were Fitty. All right, Fitty, what happened on this day in sports? Hold on, we might need to set that up with our truth. By the way, see if we can find a wrestling school and take Fitty to run the ropes. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. I'd love to see it. <laughs> I saw him post a photo on social media the other day with a shirt off. I hit him up. I said, well, Yo, I'm trying to come work out with you. He said, Let's go. So no way. Count on that. Yeah, oh, I please, told him I want to work out with him. Please videotape that. Yeah, as much as you, you know can. it. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, got some, like, broadcasting just uh, historical facts for you today. On this day in 1921, KDKA, they broadcasted the first radio sporting event. It was a boxing match, and the side I go to did not provide me first or last names, but it's between the guys of a last name of Ray and then Dundee. Okay. So this is this is the event that got us all of our jobs, at least later on, very, very late in the process, over 100 years ago. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great one to put out there. And maybe it birthed the idea for the Dundee Awards that Michael Scott handed out on The Office. Michael Scott, probably my favorite sitcom character of all time. Yeah. It's a great award. It's a great position. Did you watch The Office? I did not, but I'm familiar. But what? you know Michael Scott enough to say that that's an okay take by me is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Nah, hang on. You you get on us for not watching Last Chance You. Mm-hmm. And you haven't watched the greatest, well, it's not the greatest because Friends is better. <laughs> the second greatest sitcom of all time. That's for sure your opinion. Yeah, that's your I do opinion. respect The Office. I do respect The Office for sure. It's something I wouldn't mind watching, but no, I never got into it. All right, we got Kyle on air, too. What, what was the uh, the problem you had with Fitty's take? Listen, I get enough air time, so I try not to trample on you all at the end of your show. <laughs> we love it, though. We love it. What did you just say? Hold on. I got to take this earbud out. Did you just <laughs> say that... You, did your little Gen Z country ass just say that, mm-hmm. that Friends is the greatest sitcom of all time? Yes. He loves it What's so better? much. I've got all day. <laughs> he just told you, The Office. The Office is better than The Friends. Better than The it's, Friends. It's, it's Friends, not The Friends. Uh, well, look, I'm telling you. what You can call it The Friends, the Friends. History lesson and from someone who was like two when the show was right. at the height of its popularity. The right? Office is yeah. better. What's he know about the And 90s? many would argue The White Version of Living Single. Well, but, yeah, oh, exactly. people would argue Here's the thing, that. The, the, yeah. the, reason that it's not, the reason it's not as good is that it's not as authentic. There's something very real about showing up to a to an office, to a workplace every day full of idiots and funny people and weirdos and things like that. <laughs> you every you day. show me in the 90s four friends who were like waiters and, you know, the professors at the local community college who could afford to live in the middle of Manhattan yep. and do the things. It was the most unrealistic sitcom of all time. Nobody could have afforded to live the way those people live. You're just Ca- overthinking the situation. No, no, <laughs> no, like me no, on a dating no, 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 no. You're asking me to suspend reality way too much. One what of the, suspend dis- disbelief. One of the best write-ups was is that if you don't think that your office has somebody like Michael Scott, then you're Michael Scott Correct. at your office. Correct. And that was the best write-up I saw on that show. All right, that'll do it for Weston Walker. You hear the man. It's Kyle Bailey coming up next alongside Smoke Ludwig. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.